This is a fourth-hand production. She died. Elephant trampled her. A local report said when family members gathered for the funeral and were in the middle of performing last rites for the woman, the same wild elephant appeared, lifting Murmur's body from the funeral pyre and trampled it again. Damn, what did she do to that I elephant? don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I hate to, again, I don't mean to laugh, but fuck irony. <laughs> story in the news today you believe in ghosts and the paranormal now are they are they ufos or are they like some crazy experimental you know governmental i don't know planes that they're building Police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. There's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome to Strange Uncles, I think. We're still here. I'm Shane. (laughs) I'm Josh, allegedly. <clears throat> yeah, right. Um, wow. Okay. I, how you doing, by the way? Number one. Oh, know you know, tired. Oh, man, I know. June right. was a hell of a month. Uh, June was a hell of a month. Absolutely. And, and you know, honestly, I guess, well, let's start there. So, first of all, apologies, um, not only to the listeners, but to the Patreons and everybody else that kind of likes the show. Uh, we... <laughs> We have had multiple things that kind of layered on top of itself, kind of like a giant real-life Jenga pile, at least on my side, and it proverbially tipped over. In so. systems, it's referred to as cascading failure. <laughs> so, Jesus, that's worse. I prefer my Jenga analogy. It's not <laughs> quite so fucking bad. Oh, uh, man, yeah. Um, you know, and again, first of all, just work on my side. So, you know, we do this podcast. We love doing it. You know, we've been doing it for a few years now. Um, work got in the way. Absolutely. I mean, that's the first problem. Uh, literally, I've been back and forth. Well, I saw you, what, twice, maybe three times in Salt Lake. Yeah, you might as well have moved back. <sighs> well, I did pretty much for like three, three and a half weeks, you know. So, um, yeah, we had infrastructure issues. And basically, it's one of those things where, and not to get you know detailed, because, you know, that's not part of the podcast, but uh, one way ticket out till I found the problem and then I was allowed to fly back. And so... <laughs> But the company was really cool. Uh, it had an anniversary during that time, so they flew me home for the anniversary, kind of mid June, and then uh, you know, and of course, I went back to Salt Lake. Um, but that absolutely shut this down to a halt. I mean, usually, you know, I can kind of hook up with you guys and you know, see you in the hotel or whatever have you, and do a quick recording. But I, I just, I didn't even have time to do that. Like it was absolutely insane, like 14, 16 hour days type thing. So yeah, yeah, I've been. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it was a, uh, it was a little bit rough for me too. We had some wild stuff happening at work that took a lot of time and, and put me, uh, past, uh, office hours, let's just say, um, here and there. And then, uh, you know, just some, some fun stuff like that. It was a pretty hectic time for me too. So even if you had been able to get together, I probably wouldn't have. Whatever. Yeah, no, no, it's the same thing. Both sides. It's crazy. And then I guess, uh, let's move on to this man. Let's call the elephant out of the room. Um, we're missing John. Um, not going to say that he's not going to drop in as a guest every now and again or whatever have you, but, uh, yeah, you know, it, it just so happened the same time that work emergency happened. He just, he had his life kind of shift a bit and some things on there and just decided, you know what? I don't have time for this. 
and and no worries on our side whatsoever. You know, we'll we'll figure it out. And and Josh, yeah, I mean, you know, you're been his friend for a long time. I don't know if you want to elaborate more, but you know, this is yeah, I mean, um, I don't think it's any like I don't want to make it sound ominous or anything weird like that. It's just uh, we've talked right. about it with him on the show before about how he's like working on a career change and moving out of the service industry and getting uh getting his feet wet in um you know the corporate like business steady paycheck benefits you know realm Mm -hmm. and uh while all the craziness was going on with our jobs that shift was kind of taking place for john and uh he's just got a lot going on with that and and uh and just life in general and uh and yeah like you said shane uh time time is a luxury that not all of us have the same amount of (laughs) no shit um and uh you know it's just like there were other things that were more important and uh it's totally understandable we're gonna miss him it's uh it's always been a lot it was mostly just fun for me and you to get to hang out with him you know once a week at least you know yeah yeah but yeah we're all still buds everything's great like uh still see him all the time um and yeah he welcome to drop in whenever um as far as the composition of the show goes i think uh you and i are gonna carry it for a while and see how we like that and then we might uh see if we want to bring someone else into uh the third chair um but Mm -hmm. we'll uh burn that bridge when we get to it i burn it right down to the ground yeah absolutely no and i and i think so you know for listeners out there yeah we've got uh already think about maybe some guests to sit in some other things and, and again this isn't rocket science you know it's pretty good we'll still have the same stories um still have some guests lined up that i had booked uh they're kind of on standby to come back on so kind of this you know it'll be the same old same old but it might change a little bit but uh yeah we're gonna play with the format a little bit and see where we're at but uh you know the strangest is still here i think that's uh the bottom line i did actually manage to see john and tori real quick when i flew out i think the last time i swung by uh, nice. and just thought yeah it was cool you know checked out the garden and you know caught up on a bunch of stuff and uh, like i said life man you know life's been yeah. crazy and then you add all the other crazy bullshit into it so i also was looking back on the uh, schedule and so again it's been about a month so we <laughs> we dropped the last episode uh june 5th and so this episode we are recording as we speak semi live uh, july 4th and so this will drop today. Um, I'll have this published, out, produced, and uh, so we'll have something on there, and then we'll get back in our weekly cadence and uh, and stand by for more. And again, you know, if you guys have any questions, answers, you know, you can write us at strangejungles at gmail.com. Um, suggestions like, hey, when you guys are in a break, did you think about this and this and this? Because uh, we probably didn't have time to, but, you know, throw it out there for sure. Uh, but that's email to get a hold of us on. And with that being said, this actually is going to be a news episode. I feel like we're behind a bit, and this was easy to kind of put together. A lot of strange shit happening. I don't know what you articles you have, but man, I'll tell you, dude, it took me a bit to kind of siphon through this stuff and go, okay, I think these are it because there's a lot of stuff going on. So, well, that's nice because, uh, yeah, I didn't have time to like really do anything. Fucking weird shit related. Fair enough. Over the last few weeks. So, yeah. 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 Well, with that being said, I don't know, man. You got anything else on your side or you want to? No, let's fucking jump into it. Let's jump into it. Absolutely. Well, let's start with this, um, being that this is still in the news amongst everything else. Uh, you know, people think about the UFO sightings. In fact, I, I sent that one, uh, San Diego that happened like last yeah. week. I sent you guys only cause like that, that was weird. Fucking it's weird, right? It definitely wasn't flares cause it, they weren't really moving a whole lot, but no, I mean, could have been drones, I guess. 
Uh, yeah, um, but boy, that's pretty pattern drones. And then they like disappeared. So listeners, if you don't know where, look up anything San Diego UFOs from last week. And, and it was seen like a, across the city, uh, several hundred encounters, a bunch of videos. Um, just, I don't know, you know, every now and again, we kind of poo-poo this UFO thing. Uh, but, you know, that was somewhat authentic, and it's kind of uh, made us scratch our heads a little bit. But we're not the only ones that worry about UFOs. There's actually, obviously, this happens around the world. And here's a news article from uh, Clemens Gross, and it is UFO researchers in Japan face breakthrough with 452 confirmed sightings. So I know we have a lot here. I think Canada is a runner-up, but 452 for like literally a size of a country that's roughly the same landmass as Montana, that's pretty significant. So, Are you sure it's bigger than Utah? <laughs> you, or, you know, maybe uh, <laughs> what, what, what's the argument now with John, Australia or Iceland? Or <laughs> Ireland. <fuck>? Ireland. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. Um, so here it is. Fukushima, Japan. People reporting UFO sightings at Japan's Saganamori Mountain. A UFO expert is investigating the reports and says he's sure his team will be able to provide evidence that extraterrestrials exist. So 452 UFO sightings were confirmed for last year alone, according to Takahiro Makamami, uh, 51, director of the International UFO Laboratory, an organization dedicated to professionally, uh, professionalizing UFO research and bringing it closer to everyday people. So according to him, he's convinced that all these sites around the mountain and in uh, Fukushima, a uh, real hotspot for extraterrestrials. And he says, quote, I hope the research lab will serve as a base receiving information and lead to new discoveries. I like to get to the bottom of their identity, Mekamama said. Uh, so far, he says UFO research is still in its infancy. Information about possible sightings is mostly shared among individuals with scientific systems lacking. The UFO lab uh, aims to change that. What's really interesting about this, and again, it's kind of a short article, but number one, that's a huge number for like this country. And number two, I spent some time there and, and obviously it was a while ago. So I'm sure maybe demographics shifted, whatever have you. But, you know, the culture over there really isn't, they're not fascinated with this stuff like we are. Like it's not really in their everyday thing. You know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to have that many. And then, you know, it, it looks like somebody's stepping up the game over there in Japan for I sure. I think it's interesting that it's at Fukushima too. Yeah. That's a little odd. You know, when you look back on uh, UFOs being seen around nuclear plants and da da da, all this other stuff, yeah, it, it kind of crossed the bridge on that too. I was scratching my head a bit. So, yeah, yeah, that's pretty weird. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. Uh, we'll keep a news on that and see uh, see if it gets any any better anymore. And then whatever comes up, uh, we'll put them in the show notes or we'll update you on the next news episode. But uh, this is kind of just for me being in Japan. I it, it's crazy number. I mean, crazy number. 452 is just, ah. but anyway, so there's that. Well, I've got a fun one <clears throat> that I don't really know how to cite the source because it's basically from a meme page on Instagram, um, <laughs> but it's all like pictures of an article from a journal that uh, they just don't have the name of, but it was written by uh, Josh Harala. Um And uh, basically, uh Humans have bioluminescence, basically. You, you can't see it, but humans actually glow with our own form of bioluminescence. So uh, when you hear about bioluminescence, your mind probably jumps to deep sea creatures like the angler fish, fish, which uses millions of bacteria to make a light appear in front of its head to catch prey and illuminate your nightmares. I know you know which fish I'm talking about, like the goblin looking motherfucker with the 
bulb dangling oh, in front of its yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little, f- yeah, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Look, yeah. it nightmare fuel. Um, <laughs> uh, but what about humans? According to a study conducted in 2009 by Japanese researchers, human bioluminescence is visible, or sorry, invisible light exists. It's just too dim for our weak eyes to pick it up. So Mm. sucks to suck evolutionary losers. Uh, The human body literally glimmers. The team from uh, Tohoku. Yeah, man, I cannot pronounce things today. Tohoku Institute of Technology. Uh, They wrote in the publish in the study published in PLOS one. The intensity of the light emitted from the body is 1000 times lower than the sensitivity to our naked eyes. Uh, so we're glowing a little bit like the vampires in, uh, in fucking don't say twilight. Are you thinking? Thank you. That's what I was trying. I couldn't think of the <laughs> Jesus, name, dude. but we're glowing. We're glowing like old Eddie. Um, Interesting. <laughs> the team made this odd discovery using super sensitive cameras to monitor five healthy male volunteers for 20 minutes every three hours inside a light tight room for three days straight in between sleep. Of course, hmm. Uh, they found that participants glowed throughout the day with the brightest spots appearing around the forehead, neck, cheeks in the late afternoon. The dimmest bioluminescence was recorded late at night, and this wasn't infrared radiation caused by heat, despite how the images might appear. Those signals are actually from photons of visible light, not caused by heat. Weird. Um, and then it's got some pictures. I don't remember if I sent this to you, but... Uh, I don't remember getting it, no. I don't know if you, uh, if if the digital background will unblur my phone. Yeah, uh, but, briefly. Uh, uh, interesting. I'll, I'll text it to you. Yeah, yeah. Let me know. So here's a question with that. And so when you first started the article, the first thing that popped in my head was Auras. Yeah, could be. You know, I mean, I don't um, know. Again, yeah, yeah. There's a little bit left, and even though I read this again this morning, I don't remember if they sum up what they think is going on. But let's uh, let's see. Uh, so what's going on here? Well, it's actually a pretty interesting side effect of our metabolisms. As uh, Elliot Bentley sums up for The Guardian, human bioluminescence is the result of highly reactive free radicals produced through cell respiration, interacting with free-floating lipids and proteins. Um, these excited molecules can then interact with fluorophores, which can emit a photon, a boom, a boom, uh, you're actually glowing. The team thinks the participants' heads glowed the most because this part of the body gener- generally sees more sunlight, um, affecting the melanin inside the skin and triggering the illuminating reaction better than other areas. Uh, hmm. uh, further backing up this hypothesis that aminal bioluminescence is attached to metabolic rates, the researchers suggest that the glow could be linked to the body's biological clock. So in the late afternoon, when you're burning the most energy, we glow the brightest. Uh, the team hopes that it, that in the future we might be able to scan a person's body surface to check light levels, indicating possible medical conditions that express themselves in changes of metabolism. Uh, you can oh, see the crazy. glimmer from the body's surface. You can see the whole body condition. Team member Masaki Kobayashi told Charles Q. Choi at Live Science. Hmm. So the next time someone tells you you're glowing... <laughs> you might you'll know they're speaking glowing. the truth <laughs> hopefully i'm not pregnant that's way to end an article <laughs> but yeah i mean oh, no. that could funny. be like a scientific explanation for uh auras uh, well, i guess yeah i mean well on top of that too you know if it helps for medical reasons i mean that's yeah it's fucking amazes me all this stuff that we find and we're making you know why not you know bioluminescence has been in mother nature for 
for thousands of years. Like there's creatures out yeah. there, you know, why can't we have some? That's crazy. Huh? And having it be dimmest at night makes sense from like an evolutionary standpoint too. Like if we're just right. glowing on the ground while we're sleeping, we're going to get eaten, you know? Yeah. 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 We're definitely not hiding underneath the rock and saving our asses for sure. So yeah, that's interesting. Huh? Interesting. Well, let me shift it over to uh, something else about the human body. Kind of. This is a little macabre, but I thought this was very... I did not know they did this. I think this is more... Huh, I was curious more than anything, but uh, interesting. This is from uh, Claire Woodcock. She wore, actually writes for Vice. People are preserving dead relatives' tattoos and turning them into art. Hmm. You heard this thing? No. I have not. Okay, check the show. No, but this it reminds crazy. me of that kid that turned his uncle's rib cage into a guitar. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember covering that. It's kind of the same thing. Um, well, this is just crazy. The, again, this is something that just when you think there's not a niche and a company that's going to specifically do something, well, there you go. Uh, tattoo artists have a new hustle, recovering ink from bodies of recently deceased at the behest of their loved ones. Uh, this is kind of, again, macabre a little bit, but this explains where I stumble on the story. Uh, after a fatal boating accident in a boating accident in 2019, Jonathan Gill was told he wouldn't be able to see the body of his twin brother before he was cremated unless he could identify him by his tattoos. Uh, Mortarians told him that the body was too waterlogged and in no condition to be displayed for a wake. So I can imagine the condition of the body, right? Yeah, that sounds um, gross. Ugh, yeah. When Gill reached out to Thomas Boylan, the director of Thomas F. Boylan Funeral Home in Queens, New York, it was Boylan who told him about a commercial business that gives family members an alternative way to memorialize deceased relatives by harvesting tattooed skin from the dead bodies and preserving it for others. Uh, so check this out. It's a quote, and then this is kind of what they do with the process. Uh, everything kind of came rushing back, he says, but in a weird way. It was comforting, Gil told Motherboard. In a weird way, we had him back. We had a piece of him back that we remembered of him, which is, ir- <laughs> speaking of irony, because the tattoo they saved on the picture was a uh, back tattoo. That was off of his brother. <laughs> um, the preparatory process developed by Save My Ink Forever permanently alters the chemical structure of the skin in a way that preserves ink and prevents skin from decomposing. Uh, the company works with private funeral homes in 21 U.S. states and has expanded into Canada and U.K. to obtain authorization from the family following next-of-kin direct chain links in accordance with the state-specific funeral law. So that's only holdup. There are certain states that maybe won't allow this. Uh, here's another quote. People want this done. In essence, this is a funeral ceremony. Carl Sherwood, the tattoo preservationist and COO of Save My Eight Forever, told Motherboard, this means more to them than a church service. So clients hmm. describe the area where the tattoo is located and what it looks like. Then a licensed mortician excises the tissue around the tattoo and send it Save My Ink Forever's Ohio lab, where Sherwood goes to work, a process that takes about three months. Sherwood will touch up and enhance the work, doing his best to return the tattoo to its original state. Uh, Sherwood says the stories like Gill's that makes his work meaningful. Uh, quote, the family's gratitude when they receive the piece and they're like, oh my God, you know, I feel like they're here. I saw that tattoo every single day and now I have a piece of that person with me, Sherrod explained. Uh, look, people take ashes and turn them into diamonds in the Victorian area. They cut hair and made hair necklaces. This isn't any different. And you know what? It absolutely isn't. I mean, so your tanning is, I, I think is what you're doing, you know, whatever they do with, uh, skin tanning. Right. Uh, there are no federal state laws that expressly permit a funeral director to slice off a piece of a person's skin. God, I would have 
worded that different, and mail it to a company and have it preserved. Um, however, more than half of states have criminal statutes generally known as abuse of corpse laws. See, this where here we go. Uh, with criminal penalties for treating human remains in a way the court considers disrespectful. According to Marsh, a criminal abuse of corpse laws would have to be enforced by a county prosecutor, but a complaint would most likely come from a family member if they were to complain to the state regulatory authority. A private claim for emotional harm caused by mistreatment of human remains could also be brought by family members if they see the tattoo removal as mutilation of human remains, which Marsh points out is available in all 50 states. So, you know, I mean, but I, I kind of feel like if, Anyone from the family signs off on that, then that should not that even should be make thing, it right? not the person yeah. that did its problem. Yeah, ex- exactly. So, like, if any of anyone else in the family wants to sue about it, they should be suing their cousin that said it was okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yep, it's no, like yep. you can't sue them for authorizing. You can't sue someone that someone in your family authorized them to do for doing that right like no and and i wouldn't be able to it's america you can sue anyone for anything but well especially nowadays thanks to new laws yeah it's awful um wrap this up here so short is optimistic about a future where art galleries and museums will consider post-mortem preservation of tattoos on human skin canvases as historical and cultural artifacts he points out that the pathologist masachi fukishi pioneered the tattoo preservation process in japan Back to Japan uh, by preserving the tattooed skin of donated bodies and now showcases preserved tattoos at the Medical Pathology Museum at Tokyo University. So, well, thank you, Japan, for, you know, everything else that you do, including that. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. It's like, you know, yeah, it's kind of macabre, but at the same time, you know, like you said, the guy that turned his uncle into a guitar, yeah. like, okay, you know what? There's different ways to celebrate death. And if it helps you remember that person that was that close to you, I... I don't see anything personally wrong with this. I, I just, I didn't even know it existed. I think that's what blew me out of the water. So, yeah, yeah, that is wild, right? Yeah, crazy. Um, what do you got on your side here before we take a break? I think we can squeeze one more in. Let me see. Where did it go? Crazy. Like it's, I had to, man, I really had to dig on some of these because. There's so much weird stuff going on, but that's um, when you're out. Of I'm going to keep month. it um, in the realm of like weird, but medical, I guess. Mm, okay. Parapsychology. Um, this is from the daily grail um, by Greg that runs the daily grail. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks, anyway, Greg. ESP in EEG. Study finds that people's brains show a neural spike when a friend's brain is stimulated. Horny. (laughs) Um, Recent research into neuroscience of social interactions between humans has revealed fascinating details on how the brains of friends and family in scientific terms, brains that operate at least in part or, or sorry, in part on shared information content can synchronize and align with each other. So, Given the controversial results from parapsychology that suggest telepathy and other psi talents might be real, it is possible that this neuroresonance can be detected even when two uh, people attempt to mentally interact despite being blocked from doing so via normal sensory means. Hmm. Um, That is a question asked in a 2016 paper titled EEG Correlations of Social Interactions at a Distance. Subject pairs were included based on uh, criteria of A, mutual friendship of more than a decade, 
and B, experience in meditation in order to maintain prolonged focused and, or sorry, prolonged focused concentration. Uh, hmm. The members of each pair were placed in two separate rooms, approximately five meters from each other. Uh, the appropriate measures taken to block any sharing of sensory information um, and their brains were monitored using insul- electro encephalograph, ah, EEG. Big word. <laughs> All these $10 words, man. <laughs> um, the sender was told to relax, think about the receiver, and simply mentally transmit what you perceive. During a 10-minute session, the sender was given 128 stimulations of one second duration each, separated by pauses of random lengths lasting four to six seconds in order to avoid predictable rhythms. Hmm. These stimulations were from a light signal produced by an arrangement of red LEDs and a simultaneous 50 hertz sinusoidal audio signal of the same length. The receiver, sitting in their isolated rooms, was told to relax and be prepared to receive stimuli from their partner. Uh, Your task is to mentally connect with him or her, and try to perceive the stimulus he or she is receiving. Over three days, data from 25 pairs of subjects was collected. Uh, The result, a weak but robust response, which is the weirdest thing ever, a weak but robust response. Okay. uh, What? (laughs) Um, Anyway, a weak but robust response was dedicated in the EE, sorry, was detected in the EEG activity of the passive receiver, particularly within uh, 9 to 10 hertz in the alpha range. Uh, This signal was found to be statistically significant, meaning that they saw it often enough to say it's not. It's not a something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something there, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, The researchers concluded uh, that while the study was clearly explorative, it is in agreement with the results observed in three different experiments by Hinterberger in 2008, who observed an increase in the ERPs in the alpha 8 to 12 hertz band only in the related pairs of participants. It further confirmed these findings would be of huge scientific importance because they provide neurophysiological evidence of a connection or social interaction at distance. Uh, I have to say, I get a little concerned when I see papers on these sorts of controversial topics, say the positive results showed up only when a new algorithm was applied to the EEG activity, but certainly an interesting study all the same, worth more detailed and careful investigation. Thank you for your opinion at the end, Greg. (laughs) Thanks, Um, Greg. But I mean, that, that is a good point. It's like a little dubious if they're saying that they... Of course, they got to try something new, but also that they tried something new. It's, you know, just science stuff. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, I when think the new it, algorithm was applied, mm. well, okay, did you write the algorithm to show you what you want to see or to like do? Right. Like, what's your, what's your, regardless? what's your proposition here? That's a whole thing. You know, it's like blind case studies. You know, you really, that's what scientific research is about, doing it very specifically. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know if that's very specific, but eh, is enough. it a Western family algorithm or did you pay real money for that? <laughs> yeah. Right. IGA. Type thing. That's funny. That's interesting though. I mean, you know, like I said, we've dabbled in that. We've, you know, I've come across articles and different things and yeah. Huh. When I saw this, it made me think of when we uh, tried remote viewing and I was like, damn, this would right. be a fun experiment to try. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, keep that. Um, I, I think it's something to be said about that too. You know, 
And it's fascinating. I just ordered a new book actually on remote viewing and it covers some uh, new studies that are kind of in the same realms of that. Um, so, you know, they're still kind of playing around with the whole theory. You know, it's not something that just ended when the military ended it. How many ever many years ago, I'm sure military yeah. still fucking around with it, you know, but they, this private study, it sounds like. So yeah. Interesting. Huh? That's cool. Well, we will, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then I'm going to come back with a, uh, it's not really as much as a weird story as it is very ironic. Uh, I find it, I mean, it's horrible, but at the same time, it's like, holy shit. <laughs> anyway, and it's about nature. So uh, we will be right back. Stand by, everybody. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality? Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. All right, and we are back. Um, as I was stated before the break, there was a story that I stumbled across, and this actually is probably, I want to say, two weeks old. This isn't really recent, recent, but uh, <laughs> check this shit out. I, I hate to laugh because it's horrible, but so 70-year-old Maya Murmuru uh, was at a two-wheel drying water in Mayurbani's district's Rappel village when the wild elephant appeared out of nowhere. So this is in India, in case you guys haven't judged by the names here. Um, authorities said the elephant had strayed from the Dhamma wildfire sanctuary nearly 200 kilometers away from Maribana. Uh, after being trampled, Muramu was taken to the hospital where she succumbed to her injuries. Local police officer Lepamadra Nayak was quoted as saying to the Press Trust of India's news agency. So they reported, okay, she, she died. Elephant trampled her. A Ouch. local report said when family members gathered for the funeral and were in the middle of performing last rites for the woman, the same wild elephant appeared, lifting Murmur's body from the funeral pyre and trampled it again. Damn, what did she do to that I elephant? I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I hate to, again, I don't mean to laugh, but fuck irony. So, um, God, this incident shocked those present at the funeral. Of course, local uh, media. Reporting. I would imagine so. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah. So Murmur's family could finish performing the last rites for her only when the elephant left after a few hours. So he just fucking oh, hung wow. out and trampled her for like three hours. It remains unclear if the elephant harmed anyone else at the funeral. Um, so here's I mean, a, is there anything left to put back on the oh fire my God, at that point? I don't know. Again, I know this is macabre. We don't mean to laugh at death, but... Christ on a crutch. I couldn't even imagine. that. There, This is just humor in the worst form. Uh, Human-elephant conflicts are a common occurrence in Odisha. Intensive industrial activity in the middle-rich state has increased human encroachment in animal habitats, increasing chances of encounters between villagers and elephants. So there's that. Uh, a worrying trend in the state has also been a, a spike in number of unnatural deaths of elements. At least 1,356 elements uh, elephants have died in Odisha since 2000-2001, according to data provided by the state's chief wildlife warden, which is uh, that's a hefty number, you know. Yeah. Um, at least 42 elephant deaths were recorded in the state in the span of just seven months from April to October. Many other incidents of human-elephant conflict have been reported from other parts of the country as well. Um, and then March last year, there was another woman that was killed and attacked by a wild, wild elephant in a forest that was nearby. Um, her eight-year-old grandson was injured while trying to run away uh, run away from the spot, police had said at the time. 
Um, again, so awful that has happened. I get the encroachment, but damn, the, you know, the whole, what, maybe it's not a myth about how smart elephant or they have memory and they remember everything. This one really took it to heart, but he wasn't oh, yeah. let anything go. So, yeah, there've been a lot of studies about like the emotional intelligence of, uh, elephants and, um, they're pretty interesting. Like they are smart creatures. They really, yeah, you know, then I stumble on like uh, stories about octopuses and now they found a genome that humans share with octopuses and yada, yada, yada. But yeah, elephants, I mean, and, and I don't blame them. You know, if that's happening over there and that's many. Yeah, I'd be pissed too. Hey, I, forgot, I'd have a grudge and probably go do something. But to show back up, like he put it on his calendar, evidently. I, you know, yeah. So he saw the obituary and was like, not on my watch. Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, again, not really as much weird as it is. Holy shit, that happened in real life. Yeah, it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> so anyway, I just want to share that. So uh, Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take us to space for a sec. Oh, cool. In my last story of the day. Um, so this is from WTOP.com. Uh, NASA satellite breaks from orbit around Earth heads to moon. Um, before anyone freaks out, it was on purpose. <laughs> okay. Fair so enough. it's not that weird. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, this is uh, the byline is from Wellington, New Zealand. Um, a satellite the size of a microwave oven successfully broke free from its orbit around Earth on Monday and is headed toward the moon. The latest step in NASA's plan to land astronauts on the lunar surface again. Hmm. It's been an unusual journey already for the capstone satellite. It was launched six days ago from New Zealand's Mahia Peninsula by the company Rocket Lab in one of their small electron rockets. It will take another four months for the satellite to reach the moon as it cruises along using minimal energy. Uh, Rocket Lab founder Peter Beck told the Associated Press it was hard to put this exci- put his excitement into words. Uh, it's probably going to take a while to sink in. It's been a project that has taken us two, two and a half years and is just incredibly, incredibly difficult to execute, he said. So to see it all come together tonight and see that the spacecraft is on its way to the moon is just absolutely epic, bro. Ah, Um, Beck said the relatively low cost of the mission, NASA put it at approximately $32.7 million, marked the beginning of a new era for space exploration. That's the relatively low cost. That's a low cost, huh? Yeah, that's awesome. Ouch. Yeah. Um, for some tens of millions of dollars, there is now a rocket and a spacecraft that can take you to the moon, to asteroids, to Venus or Mars, Beck said. It's an insane capability that's never existed before. If the rest of the mission is successful, the capstone satellite will send back vital information for months as the first to take a new orbit around the moon called a near rectilinear halo orbit. Uh, which is Yeah. <laughs> rectum linear um which is a stretched out egg shape with uh one end of the orbit passing close to the moon and the other far from it so basically um it'll be far from the moon on the dark side so they'll be able to have uh well i'll just get to that right now um <laughs> eventually nasa plans to put a space station called gateway into the orbital path from which astronauts can descend to the moon's surface as part of its artemis program beck said the advantage of advantages of the new orbit is that in it minimizes fuel use and allows the satellite or space station to stay in constant contact with earth uh so i think the way that works is that the far end of the orbit uh like on the dark side of the moon is is where it's farthest from the moon um so we can still get like 
radio signals from it while it's oh, out there. Okay. Gotcha. Um, uh, and it, yeah, it allows it to stay in constant contact with earth. The electron rocket that carried or that launched June 28th from New Zealand was carrying a second spacecraft called photon, which separated after nine minutes the satellite was carried for six days in photon with the spacecraft's engines firing periodically to raise its orbit farther and farther from Earth. A final engine burst Monday allowed photon to break from Earth's gravitational pull and send the satellite on its way. The plan is now, or the plan now is for the 25 kilogram or 55 pound satellite uh, to far over shoot the moon before falling back into the new lunar orbit November 13th. The satellite will use tiny amounts of fuel to make a few planned trajectory uh, course corrections along the way. Beck said that they would decide over the coming days what to do with Photon, which had completed its task and still had a bit of fuel left in the tank. There's a number of really cool missions that we can actually do with it, Beck said. For the mission, NASA teamed up with two commercial companies, uh, California-based Rocket Lab and Colorado-based Advanced Space, which owns and operates the Capstone satellite. Okay. Hmm. And that is all I have to That's say about that. It. Um, so I heard about the gateway and we covered for those of you our listeners and new listeners, whatever have you, we actually did a moon uh, space program episode, I think, but two or three, four ago, something like that. Um, interesting. Yeah. I mean, if that's what they're doing, they're playing leapfrog on the moon. Why not? You know? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess at, they could be spending cost? that money on worse things. I don't know. <laughs> I so, well, no. Well, I don't the the fifty fifty if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. I like how they put a low cost on there too. It's like thirty six million. Oh yeah. Okay. That's fun, fucking fantastic. Just amazing. Well, I'm gonna bring us back down out of space and into the real world down here. Uh, and we'll wrap it up with this because I found this very interesting. These people that do this kind of work usually don't complain, um, but they're complaining. So this is actually from Dominique Smithers, who works for Unilad, UK. Catholic priests are complaining that there are just too many possessed people in the world. So there's that. Yeah, so here we go. Exorcists in Italy are overwhelmed with some saying they are seeing dozens of troubling cases every day. Uh, Speaking to researchers at Regina Apostolorium's 16th Annual Exorcism Course in Rome, which, okay, I didn't know that there was an annual exorcism course, but there you go. Yeah. Uh, the burnout priest said they need help. Uh, the course attracted 120 participants uh, who have been spurred on by Pope Francis, a keen supporter of the practice and the fight against evil spirits. Uh, exorcists at the conference, which attempted to offer support, said they were in need of psychologists to help them determine who was actually possessed and who needed clinical support. And some shared their own experience of dealing with the increased requirement for spiritual intervention. Uh, here's one here. According to the Times, Father Giuseppe Bernardi told researchers that he had conducted a nine-hour exorcism on a woman who had screamed abuse in Latin and insulted monks. The woman's dad thought she had been suffering from psychiatric problems, while her mother took the view that she had, in fact, been taken over by a demonic influence. Why not? You know, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's always a reason, right? Uh, While Father Bernardi revealed that he sought the help of a psychologist to evaluate the woman, he said there was no support from the church to do so. Attendees at the conference claimed there were several ways of determining whether a case really required an exorcism. According to participants, unusual physical strength, the ability to speak in Latin, Aramaic, or Hebrew, and vomiting were clear signs of demonic possession. Uh, Oh, okay. Well, 
Or like a pretty sweet hangover. I, that's what I was saying. My brother-in-law threw up the other night. I doubt he's possessed, but okay. You want to lump that in yeah. there? I don't know. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I wish. It'd really solve a lot of issues, honestly. Um, other exorcists said they are also struggled to help get from the clergy over the course of the pandemic and were forced to conduct exorcisms on people who had tested positive for COVID. And which I, you know, there's that thing. Yeah. Never yeah, even think uh, about it, I guess. Can you exercise a virus? Right. So. Uh, and then there is a sure amount of exorcisms pre se they are having to do. Uh, one of the researchers, uh, Giuseppe Fro, said some said they were seeing 30 to 50 cases a day, which is, wow, that's a lot. According to the study, there were 290 exorcists in Italy, 37 in Spain, and 28 in the UK and Ireland. Researcher Luis Santamaria del Rio said, quote, many of the potentially possessed people they see in Spain have spent time with New Age, spiritual, or meditation groups. Um, Father Pedro Bajaran, Spanish priest and theology professor, said the course was vital in giving exorcists the tools they desperately need to combat demonic forces. He said, quote, Costa Rica didn't have a single exorcist, and last year they named their first one. Manila and the Philippines now have a dedicated office and a team. It used to be like the Wild West out there, but the quality is going up, and we are seeing more cooperation with psychologists. Uh, exorcism always arouses interest because of the films about it, but the truth is these priests need to be trained. So there's that. Evidently, we have an exorcist problem, um, amongst other things going on. I thought that was a clever read. So Yeah. Anyway, um, but that's all we got, I think, for that. I do want to share something real quick, if you got a second, man. Uh, sure. Because this is just kind of funny. So the wife and I did, and again, trying to get, like, de-traveling out of your brain. And, you know, you live in, like, a hobo for a month. It takes yeah. a while to get kind of rested again, I guess. So uh, we went out to last, I'm going to say it was Friday or Saturday. Friday, I think. Or Saturday. Um, went out north, like almost all the way to Canada, Canada border. For those of you Canada. who know. <laughs> Canada. Yeah, my buddy says it like that all the time. Um, for those of you kind of know Washington State and where we're at, uh, we're really close to the border. It's about two, two and a half hours away. Um, just really beautiful. You know, you're by the Pondre River. It's just really cool out there. But, of course, the further north you go, the less towns you have. And we stopped at this little gas station, and uh, we had some – uh, chicken tenders and potatoes gave the dogs a break, yada, yada, yada. And we're like the only ones there. And the wife brings out this publication. And and I, I'll i share this actually on my Twitter feed, and then uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll share a picture for you if you want to do it on Instagram. But um, it's actually called The Sasquatch. And it is noted as a publication waiting for people who are waiting in waiting rooms or in other rooms waiting. And it's literally Wait, like, what? it's like three pages. There's like a trivia. There's a puzzle. Um, they talk about an incident where somebody in Carlsbad, uh, some truck doors opened up an armor truck and the money fell out and everybody got to it. And then they got this other thing about a Sasquatch encounter that, you know, has expletives actually in the article, which I found funny being that it's like a local little thing. Yeah. But, and so evidently this comes out weekly. Um, it's, oh, nice. You know, it's it's not paid for. It's free. They, you know, have people that write in. And, and I just, I don't know. You know, when you get out in the rolls of the boondocks and you see shit like this, I just love it because it's like, oh, wow. You know, this is this is news to them. You know, they don't care about what's on CNN or whatever else. They're just putting this <laughs> shit out. It's just, I don't know. I find it very refreshing. You know, I don't, I don't know if he still does, but my dad used to have like the little local newspaper that was really more like a newsletter. Um, yeah. Yeah. From the town he grew up in mailed to us all the, while I was growing up so he could keep up with things going on back home. But it was a lot like that of like almost more of like 
just the local gossip. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. yeah. No, nothing to do with anything funny. else. Yeah. I remember. So real quick and then we can wrap it up. Um, same thing. You know, we, we were, bo- I was born in Bitter Valley, Montana and our closest town was Hamilton and it had a little local paper called the River Valley Republic. And I remember seeing a dad came home laughing one time because the, the headline was uh, Daisy gets molested. And, oh, and I'm like, what the fuck is good? You know, I was like 12, 13 at the time, something like that. And evidently what had occurred was there was a break-in at a ranch that was attempted and cops showed up because, you know, the owners called them. And when the cops showed up, they went around the back corner and the person, the people that were trying to break into the house was two of them. There was a, one of them was trying to molest the dog and the dog's name was Daisy. And so that was a big headline for this newspaper. And it just, oh, people were talking about it for like weeks on end. It just, yeah, it's something to be said about uh, decompressing and just realizing that local news is just as cool as, you know, national, depending on what you're, what you're dealing with. But um, yeah, yeah, man, fun old times growing up in Montana for sure. You know, and here we <laughs> yeah, are. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, um, but that's it, folks. That's a wrap up on this one. Again, we try to do this monthly. We'll try to keep that same format. Uh, we might have some guest sit-ins. We might have some something else. I've got a couple write-ups that we're going to do, uh, and then we're going to bring some guests back. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we're going to get in the swing of things again. Uh, if you guys have any recommendations or uh, whatever have you or subject matter, please feel free. You can write us at strangeunclesemail.com or strangeunclesemail.com at gmail.com, sorry. Uh, or you can call us at 801-252-6945. Make it happen. So if you're not too, uh, if you're not too um, shy, you know, you can call the number for sure. So, and we will be doing this on a weekly cadence again, hopefully, knock on wood, there's no uh, work or life that gets in the way and takes us out. But yeah, you know what? We don't get paid to do this. So if that happens, so <laughs> be it. <laughs> that happens. So. Yeah, you know, we do our best. Yeah, exactly. Um, you got anything on your side, man? Uh, no. Um, I guess find us and follow us at strange uncles on Facebook. Uh, sorry, at strange uncles on Twitter at strange uncles podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Mm. Um, YouTube, meh. (laughs) Maybe, (laughs) you know, it might not get any better. I I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Well, it turns out editing video is a very tedious process. Oh boy. Yeah. It's time uh, consuming. If anybody out there, we're not real great at it. No, we're not great at it. If anybody wants an internship, you know, work for beer, then, uh, you know, hook us up, you know, write yeah. us, let us know. Yeah. I mean, if, if we ever do another trip, like up to the Uintas or anything like that, maybe we'll have some stuff that's worth doing something with. Right. But, right. Uh, yeah. The, the number of views on just the episode videos we were putting up was just not really worth the time no no and i know we're got like kicking around the can a little bit i'm i'm gonna try my damnedest to keep on the calendar a trip to uh, albuquerque in october and I, I think you know we had a group chat that we we're talking about maybe going to roswell and i i don't know i i, I don't know if it's going to happen but yeah if, if we do some something like that by all means you know we'll make sure that we uh, document it nothing else for you guys but for us too because they're just memorable trips you know they're fun always enjoy uh visiting weird things across the country and across the world if we ever get the chance for sure so anyway cool well man it's been fun um hopefully i will talk to you sooner than later i'm sure and then anybody else you know like i said uh let us know what we can do for you and again apologize for being out but you know life's life life it happens uh it is what it is and we'll kind of get back in the saddle and go from there so awesome uh close the gate time yeah 
All right, close the gates, everybody. I have a good fourth. Enjoy. Don't blow your fingers off. Or do. <laughs>